How's it going guys? Welcome to this episode of the Haunted Cafe. I think we're on episode 15 maybe? 15 maybe. <laughs> 15 maybe. <laughs> um, so I know that this episode has been basically two weeks coming. Um, we were having some issues with our audio stuff. Um, our microphone was eaten by a cat. So we had to get another one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it wasn't fully eaten. She just, like, ate up the wire and it stopped working, bruh, so... <laughs> yeah, she, like, chewed at the cord, so we had to get another one. And then... She little punk! Yeah. Right, Gypsy? <laughs> <Little> punk-ass cat. <laughs> <laughs> and then it took a while for it to come in, so... That's why I haven't uploaded this episode. Um, at least on TikTok, it seems like a lot of people were interested in this episode. This episode, we're going to talk about Cropsy. The urban legend Cropsy. Before we get into that, though, we're going to talk about the tea that we're drinking. Yes. Yes. So this is... This is very good tea. Very good tea. <laughs> it is organic passion fruit white tea. It's by, I think, Touch Organic. And it is organic fruit tea series. So it's passion fruit white tea combines the tropical flavor of passion fruit and the smooth taste of white tea. Um, according to Alan, it tastes like bubblegum. Yeah, it tastes like gumballs. Gumballs. The little, little tiny gumballs. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's a really good tea. Um, if I can find it, I'll try putting a link in the YouTube description. If not, um, just type in passion fruit or white tea, and I'm sure you'll find something similar. And once again, it's, it's, you said it was organic, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Once again, it's organic too, so it's not like that. Well, it's touch organic. So yeah, yeah, organic yeah. passion fruit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it tastes like it tastes legitimate, like the thing it's supposed to be portraying, and not like something that yeah. As far as we know, I've never actually eaten passion fruit, but so far we've tried the strawberry one, which is very close to strawberry. It's like mm -hmm. somebody just squeezed a strawberry into some white tea. The blueberry one was very close to blueberry. Once again, tastes like somebody just squeezed it in, and I think those are the only ones that we've tried. So we tried far. jasmine. Yeah, the, we, the jasmine tea is really good. The regular white tea is really good, and the other one we have to try, which we'll try later, is apricot. So. Yeah. But so yeah. that, that should be really interesting. So if you guys really like fruity flavored teas, definitely uh, check out the description if you can. Yeah, definitely. All right. So today we're taking kind of a step away from urban legends and myths and all that spooky stuff. And we're diving into true crime and obviously real life stories. Mm -hmm. You excited? Sure. I mean, I've been talking your ear off about this yeah. guy for like two weeks yeah so um yeah so we're talking about cropsy uh in my opinion impingin impingin that's that's a word definitely in my opinion okay so in my opinion i feel like the proper way to start this tale off is to always start with the location first uh, this case takes place in Staten Island, New location, York. Location, location, Sorry, location. Sorry, do it. <laughs> yeah, so it takes place in Staten Island, New York, around the 1980s. Um, according to a 2020 uh, consensus, how do you say that? Consensus, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> uh, Staten Island is the least populated borough, uh, and there's like, I think, four boroughs in New York, something like that. Um, back around in the 1940s, a landfill known as the Fresh Kills Landfill opened as a temporary landfill. Um, but by 19, 
1855, it became known as the largest landfill in the world. Hmm. And uh, covering around 2,200 acres. So this thing's huge. Wow. Uh, the name of the landfill uh, comes from its location along the banks of the Fresh Kills Estuary in western Staten Island. The landfill remained open until 2021. Or, I'm sorry, 2001. I was going to say 2021. Yeah, damn, that was recent. Yeah. <laughs> um, along with, I think they actually, like, covered it up. I, I'm not entirely sure, but I think they, like, covered it, and I think part of it's, like, a park or something now. Hmm. I could be wrong with that, but I thought that's what I saw. Um, along with this huge uh, landfill, Staten Island was also home to the Willowbrook State School. Uh, Willowbrook plays a really key importance in this story. So, um, Willowbrook was a state-supported institution for children with intellectual, which I'm not having fun here, intellectual disabilities that was located in the Willowbrook neighborhood. It was open from 1947 to 1987. Most of, so, most of, so as most of these schools seem to go, the school was designed for about 4,000 people but in the 19 in 1965 it had a population of 6000 so way over what it was supposed to have hmm. but we also saw that in the San Haven sanatorium too where they were only supposed to have like 2000 or something and it, they like tripled the amount of patients yeah um throughout the first decade of its operation uh outbreaks of hepatitis mostly type A uh was common in the school this led to controversial research, page flip. <laughs> Already? Dang. Yep. <laughs> Being done in school between the 1950s and the 1970s. These, these uh, researchers monitor subjects uh, to see the effects of gamma globulin. globulin. Um, it's used to boost patients' immunity to a disease. So they hmm. were basically... Um, Kind of like injecting that into the patients to see if it would fight in the hepatitis. Trying egg. to create superhumans. Yeah, the gamma, <laughs> like gamma radiation. <laughs> yeah. uh, one result of the research was that they got be a better understanding of the differences between serum hepatitis, which is spread through the blood transfusions, and infectious hepatitis, which is spread directly from person to person, yeah. which is also the most common form. Uh, once people found out what this research, what these researchers were doing to the children in the school, they were forced to stop the project. Uh, so my first thought was like, why are they stopping the research? I mean, technically, I mean, they're being guinea pigs, but they're also helping people. Yeah. But. Trying to um, help people anyway. Yeah, I know that's, that these kids, that it's kids that they're testing on, but if they don't know why these kids are getting the hepatitis, then it would also like help them figure it out yeah but a, a man named paul allen offit who was a pediatrician a kid doctor in case you didn't know yeah um who specialized in infectious disease was co was quoted in describing the study as such in an effort to control the outbreaks of hepatitis the medical staff at willowbrook constructed consulted sorry consulted Saul sal krug krugman um, I'm not looking at it, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to read my handwriting. <laughs> oh. Okay. So his name's Saul Krugman. He's the head of the researchers researchers that were there. 
Mm -hmm. uh, Krugman found that the hepatitis developed in 10, in only 9, fuck, I can't read my writing. <laughs> you do okay. that a lot. <laughs> yeah. In 90% of the children admitted to Willowbrook soon after they got there. Although it was known that hepatitis was caused by a virus, it wasn't known how the virus spread, whether it could be prevented, or how many types of viruses cause the disease. Krugman used these children of Willowbrook to answer these questions. So, trigger warning, abuse, child abuse. Yeah. Um, one, of his student, one of his studies involved feeding live hepatitis virus from other stools, um, possibly poop samples, to <laughs> 60 healthy children. So he willingly fed them hepatitis. That's fucked. Yeah. Um, 60 kids. So Krugman watched as their skin and eyes turned yellow and their livers got bigger. He watched them vomit and, ref and refused to eat. All the children that were given the virus became ill, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the, stu the stupid fucking researcher Krugman said that it was just that it was justifiable to expose the disabled children of Willowbrook with this virus because they would have gotten it anyway. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so just because they're there, and yes, they have a high possibility of getting it, it's perfectly, to him, it was perfectly okay to just, like, inject them. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. Wow. So. Um, but by purposefully giving the children the hepatitis... It increased their chances of getting it by 100%, basically. Well, yeah, because well, yeah. you're giving it to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, what all that means was that the main researcher thought it was cool to use these poor kids as guinea pigs because they would end up getting the virus anyway. Like, you know, like I said, it's just a fucked up situation. Um, yeah, definitely. Vaccinologist Maurice Hillman said the Willowbrook studies were the most unethical medical experiments ever performed on children in the U.S., uh, bioethicists or Chap Kaplan? Uh, sorry. It's Chaplin. I, no, it's Kaplan. It's C A P L A N. Kaplan. Oh, okay. Um, has stated that the Willowbrook studies were a turning point in how we thought about medical experiments on disabled children. The children who were fed the virus had no chance of, to benefit from the procedure, only the chance to be harmed. So would you? Wow. So you would think after all of that, the hospital would have been shut down, or at least been, um, or at least the conditions would have been fixed up, right? Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> um, as I said, by 1965, Willowbrook housed over 6,000 disabled kids, despite the 4,000 capacity. Uh, Senator Robert F. Kennedy toured the institution in 1965 and proclaimed that the people living in the facility were quote living in filth and dirt, their clothing in rags, in rooms less comfy and cheerful than the cages in which we put animals in the zoo. Wow. <laughs> he offered a series of recommendations for improving conditions, and eventually the school's reputation was that of a warehouse for New York City's mentally disabled people, many of whom were presumably abandoned there by their families, foster care systems, or other groups that were supposed to take care of them. So, up. yeah, there were a few reporters that tried to help the people in Willowbrook. For example, Donna Stone, I think is how you pronounce it, an advocate for mentally disabled children, as well as victims of child abuse. She gained access to the school by posing as a recent social work graduate. She then shared her observations with the press. This led to a bunch of articles to be written about the conditions of Willowbrook. 
Jane Curtin was the first reporter to write a story about Willowbrook after she visited in order to cover a demonstration that social workers and parents of residents had organized. So basically, they went there in protest of the conditions. Yeah. And they're, you know, which, take your kids out of there. Like, take exactly. care, you know, take them out. Because eventually, if they're not getting the money or resources for your kid, like, they're going to end up shutting down. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I know some sometimes it's not possible for that, but, you know, if you could, one, why do you have your kid in there anyway? But, you know, two, you see the conditions and you actually care about your kid, get them the fuck out, you know? Yep. Um, in 1972, Gerardo, 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 I always mess this up, Gernardo Rivera, sorry, <laughs> a reporter for the WABC TV in New York, went into Willowbrook a few times to uncover all of the shit conditions, including overcrowding, inadequate sanitation facilities. Um, there was physical and sexual abuse of members by the staff. Uh, it was wow. just fucking terrible. He filmed an expose called Willowbrook, The Last Great Disgrace, and it was garnered national attention, which then prompted class action lawsuits against the state of New York by the parents of the five of like five thousand residents. Yeah. Um and I said which there was six thousand at some point in time. Um, you're telling me that no one out of those 5,000 parents knew what was going on? Like, don't you go visit your kid? Probably not. I would. I mean, if I'm putting them in somewhere, like, yeah, I guess. If you think about it, if somebody's putting their kid... I'm not saying that, like, putting your kid in an institution is 100% bad. Yeah. But if you're just throwing them in there willy-nilly for no fucking reason, like, yeah, that's kind of a disgrace act. But I guess that's just my opinion. Um... If these, if these reporters can just walk in and see all the misconduct, then obviously it was bad, but supposedly no one's parents knew until, until the reporters came out. Mm. Um, in 1975, a consent judgment was signed, and it made the state of New York improve community placement for the Willowbrook people. In 1983, the state of New, New York, I keep wanting to say New Jersey, <laughs> uh, decided decided to close Willowbrook. So, by March 1986, there were only 250 people left. It was officially empty by September 1987. Mm-hmm. So, from... Let me look. 1965, Willowbrook housed over 6,000 people. Um, Senator Kennedy went in there in 1965. So, it took them almost... 20 plus years to actually close Willowbrook because of the misconduct. That's fucked. Yep. Um, so that's like kind of a key place when talking about the Cropsey legend. And then there's also another one called the Seaview Tuberculosis Sanatorium. Um, this plays a smaller role in the Cropsey story, but it's still like mentioned. So I just wanted to give a little detail about it. It's also located in Willowbrook, New York. It's very close to the other hospital. They're kind of like, Willowbrook's a huge, uh, I think it's like over 800 acres. Yeah. So that hospital is really big. And then like just a little ways over is Cedar, or Seaview. Hmm. Um, I lost my place. 
<laughs> um, yeah, the complex was planned and built in, the in 1905 and 1938, and by 1938, it was the largest and most costly municipal, municipal facility for the treatment of tuberculosis of its time in the U.S. Mm. So, it's another one of the Sanhaven sanatoriums. Yeah. <clears throat> so, the reason why I bring up these the landfills, Willowbrook, Cedarview, um, I keep saying Cedarview, fuck. Sea view. <laughs> so, because I keep bringing up all these, like, the, the landfill and the two hospitals, is yeah. because it kind of gave Staten Island a feeling of a place where people kind of dispose of trash or get rid of stuff that they don't want. Mm -hmm. um, whether the trash is from New York City going to the landfill or it's sick people that get placed in a hospital and forgotten, um, some also say that Staten Island is a place where big mob bosses or mafia get rid of bodies. I mean, they used to. I don't know if they really talk about it like that now, but... Um, don't they portray that in a lot of movies, too? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I watched a documentary, which I'll link if I remember, is... It's called Cropsy, and it basically is a bunch of... Not... They're not kids anymore, but they're, like, you know, they're adults that were, that were kids at the time of... Um, Andre Rand, which is what we're going to talk about, um, they were basically around when all of that was going on, and mm. they even quote, you know, they're quoted as saying, like, yeah, Staten Island was this place where people just dump stuff, you know? Wow. So, uh, the land, the island was more, uh, wooden areas, and there were a lot more empty spaces, and this led to people, led to people thinking that they could do whatever they want and not get caught, because it's just empty. Yeah. I don't think it's really like that now. I mean, Willowbrook, the area of Willowbrook is pretty empty, but it's not like, it's kind of like a normal city now, yeah. you know? Um, but it was still considered a good spot to live. It was a good place to raise your kids and everything. Um, according to the documentary... I was watched about Cropsy. The kids all mentioned their parents saying it's a peaceful, nice place to live. But as teenagers living in the 70s and 80s, 80s, they all heard about the same legend. And that legend was the legend of Cropsy. Yeah. So, who was Cropsy, you know? He was a guy who worked in the cornfields. His name was Cropsy because they grew crops. <laughs> <laughs> so, Close, but no. Not really, <laughs> close, honestly. but no. Actually, no. Not close at all. <laughs> so, Cropsy was actually a man of many faces, as depending on who you asked, you might get a different story. Um, he's honestly, like, the boogeyman, you know? Mm. Um, some would say Cropsy lived in the old Seaview Hospital down in the tunnels, and he was an ex-mental patient that would kidnap kids or young teenagers at midnight. Wow. To some, yeah, to some people, he was an axe-wielding man who had just killed his wife and was out for blood. Um, another story depicted Cropsy as a man with a hook for a hand, and he would once again kidnap kids if they were out late. You know, it's kind of so like... So he was the boogeyman. Yeah, he's a typical boogeyman. Yeah. Like, so what was, was it? Is, is it the boogeyman that had the, the with the bees? Is that the boogeyman? No, or it's Candyman. Candyman, that's what yeah. it is. Because the Candyman had a hook for a hand. Yeah, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like all the same thing. Candyman, yeah. boogeyman, um, Cropsy. They're all kind of like just... Depending on who you talk to is what it's kind every, of story It's every horror get. film ever created. <laughs> but it's like, you know... 
Next thing you know, he's gonna he's gonna be a guy that was killed in a boiler yeah. and then he came back to haunt teenagers in their dreams. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then the next thing you know, his grandmother's gonna get killed or his mom's gonna get killed and he's gonna come back wearing a mask and a machete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Cropsy just seemed like a way to stop kids from misbehaving, you know, getting in the trouble. A lot of times Cropsy would be used to like stop kids from going to dangerous areas like the old abandoned hospitals and stuff. You know, it's basically just, like, as kids, you know, if your mom tells you, oh, stay away from this hospital, there's this abandoned, you know, there's this lunatic guy that roams around, like, as yeah. a kid, you're not gonna, I mean, you're probably gonna go there because you want to see it. Well, stupid kids are yeah. gonna go there. <laughs> but, like, most people are gonna Really be like, dumb, idiotic children who have been told several <laughs> times but decide to die anyway because they want to be fucking dumb. Yeah, most people <laughs> are gonna be like, no, I'm good, I'm gonna stay away from that. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know. And he popped up all over. It wasn't even just the hospitals. If, like, you know, if your kid, if you didn't want your kid going down the street at a certain time of night, you'd say that he was going to come with an axe and, like, you know. No. So it's just, it was to make kids behave, you know. That's almost like uh, with, with, with uh, my, my sister with, with yeah, her Yeah, Chicken Man. Yeah, the Chicken Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my nephew was absolutely <laughs> terrified of something called the Chicken Man because, like, <laughs> my sister and her baby daddy were just, like, Constantly convincing this kid that he was he he's going to come and eat him like he was a piece of fried chicken or some crap like that. <laughs> he was just going to come and eat him if he didn't behave. Yeah. And like he was terrified of anything mentioning the chicken man for the longest time. And what's messed up is I think if I if if I remember, I think my, my sister's baby daddy actually dressed up as a chicken one day for Halloween and absolutely terrified the crap out of the kid with yeah. him. <laughs> but I mean, it made him comply. Yeah, yeah. Not, not that that's like the greatest way to teach kids, but I mean, at the same time, I mean, it if works. it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and it was kind of like you know, oh, don't go in this area. Cropsy is there, and he'll get you. That was like the main thing. He'll yeah. get you. You know. Um. It was just an urban legend that was just trying to keep kids safe. Um. But from what I understood with the documentary, the teenagers in the community believed that Crossy was most likely a tall tale, uh, something to stop them from exploring. But soon, the whole community, soon to the whole community, Cropsy would become real. Hmm. So now is what we're getting into, kind of the darker stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't really talk about like any blood or gore or anything like that so you guys don't have to worry about that but there's still a trigger warning involved. yeah it's <laughs> child yeah. murders so if that's not your thing i'll see you next time i guess yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh july 9th 1987 12 year old handicapped child jennifer schwager i learned i looked this up and i forgot schwager i think disappeared uh, she was ador- She was an adorable child uh, who had Down syndrome. Um, she was known to be very sweet and a caring child. Um, just like a light up your day kind of girl. You know, you see her and you just automatically smile, you know. Yeah. Um, that day she was supposed to be going for a short walk, but she did not come back. Uh, automatically a crap ton of police officers and neighbors began looking everywhere for her. Um, eyewitnesses saw her with one person on the day that she disappeared. That man was Andre Rand. Um, so just a tiny bit about Andre. Um, he was born March 11th in 1944. He was born as Frank Rushim. Um, no one knows where the name Andre Rand came from, but, um, when he was 14, his father died. 
His mother was institutionalized at Pilgrim Psych Center in Brentwood, uh, New York. It's basically kind of the same thing as uh, Willowbrook or Seaview. I'm uh, not really Seaview. Seaview is tuberculosis, but more similar to um, Willowbrook. Only this was for like adults too. Yeah. Um, where he and his sister uh, would visit her at that. Um, at that, sorry, at the institutional center um, when they were teenagers. Mm. Um, there's honestly not really a lot known about Rand's childhood. Um, in the documentary, they question Rand's sister. They kind of like um, cut her off while she was grocery shopping because she wanted no part in this, obviously. Yeah. Um, they question Rand's sister about their childhood, and she is extremely adamant about no sexual or physical abuse that ever happened. Um, but my personal opinion, um, while I do believe that there maybe was nothing sexual or physical happen happening, I feel like there could be some emotional trauma there. Like, not yeah. abuse, but, yeah. like, once we get into, um, like, what he does and all that, like, there's something going on. Mm -hmm. There's some kind of emotional trauma or, um, something from his childhood is obviously, like, missing. Because the way he acts is just really fucking weird. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, so in Rand's adult life, he was known to work at the Willowbrook State School, which is the one that I just got done talking about. Um, he was working there in the 60s, and this was also during some of the experiments on the kids. Wow. Um, he was supposedly working there as either a custodian, um, an orderly, or a physical physical therapist. So if he was any of those, he was right in the middle of all of that abuse. So he was right there in the middle of, like, the kids, like, vomiting on themselves and leaving mm -hmm. messes. And if he was a physical therapist, he could have been, even been doing some of these experiments, you yeah. know? So that's got to, like, fuck you up a little bit. Especially if you're forced. To, I mean, you're not really forced to do anything. Yeah. You can always quit your job. But if that's not an option, you know? Yeah. Um... But yeah, so, in 1966, according to one source, Rand left his job at the Willowbrook, but he didn't actually leave the grounds. Um, surrounding the Willowbrook Hospital was massive amounts of woods, and so Rand and a few other homeless people would set up camps around the Willowbrooks and Seaview Hospital. Um, and then there was also this thing called the New York Colony. It's basically like a farm colony where poor, in quotation, you know, hmm. uh, poor people would, like, live. It's, it's weird that they refer to a colony. Yeah, well, it's a, for, it's a farm colony, so there's, like, a bunch of little houses and stuff. Oh, oh okay. And um, it was basically where, like, people from the hospitals would live, like, maybe some of the patients would live there yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, I think it was part of the Seaview Hospital, it's kind of like the Sandhaven, I keep bringing this back, but it's kind of like the Sandhaven Sanatorium where they built that, like, farm area off to the side. Yeah. So they were still getting, like, crops and stuff. Yeah. And they wouldn't have to rely on, like, buying a bunch of it, I guess. Which is a good idea. Yeah. It saves money in the long run. But... Mm -hmm. um, it was also said that these hospitals, once these hospitals closed down, the patients who had nowhere to go actually just kind of stayed there and lived in the tunnels and on the grounds. Because yeah. they had nowhere to go. 
Yeah. And the hospital was the only place that they knew. Um, it's honestly really sad. Yeah, it is. Um, Rand also had an interesting, in quotations again, uh, <laughs> criminal record. Uh, one account in 1969 was when he was convicted of sexually assaulting a nine-year-old. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of info on that, just that it happened and that he was convicted of it. Hmm. Um, and then in 1983, Andre Rand, I'm assuming, stole a stole school bus and went to the local YMCA, which is basically like a community gym. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I've heard of YMCA, but I don't know if anybody else has. I have. Yeah. Um, he stole a bus, went to a YMCA, and proceeded to pick up 11 children in the said bus. How did the children get on the bus, <clears throat> He just said that, oh, you want to go to the park, or you want to go somewhere? You know, oh, okay. let's go for a ride, and all these kids just got on the bus. They were little kids, like... And once again, you know, parents not watching their children. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, too. <laughs> once again, parents being fucking irresponsible... <laughs> yep, but 11 kids just hopped on the bus with him. Um, he then proceeded to get them something to, to eat. Uh, and then he took them to the Newark Liberty International Airport in New Jersey. So, New York and New Jersey are right next to each other. Um, I think I looked it up, but I think it was only maybe a half hour or so away like Staten Island is only about a half hour away from the Newark airport so they didn't travel like really far but he got them across state lines you know um thankfully none of the children were hurt and he was caught and served 10 months in jail for unlawful imprisonment because technically he I mean he kidnapped them but he didn't do anything he took them you know took them to eat and took them to play and you know all that um whether he intended on doing anything is... Yeah, he never got no the idea. chance to, basically. Yeah, he never got the chance to. Um, in the Cropsey documentary, they actually go and talk to one of the kids he kidnapped. Um, and he's quoted as saying, I was around six or seven years old. We were all we were outside play at the YMCA. Some guy said, do you want to go on a trip? He had a bus. We hopped on the bus. We didn't know any better. He said he was just going to take us to the park. And we, and we wound up in the Newark airport. Uh, hmm. Looking back now, that's absolutely terrifying. Uh, now the airport is only a half hour away, like I said, from the from Staten Island. Yeah. But he had time to pick them up, go get them food. Um, he said they even took him, I think, to Willowbrook Park, which yeah. is close to the hospital. Because, like, like I said, Willowbrook Hospital is basically surrounded by a crap ton of woods. And, like, at the corner of these woods is, like, a playground. So, he had time to go get them something to eat, took them to this playground, all this stuff. Before any parent realized their kid was missing. Probably, yeah. Or at least a good, <laughs> you know, a good deal amount of time. Jesus Christ. Man. He had a crazy amount of time to do, to kidnap 11 children in almost broad daylight. And then, to, and then took them to a completely different state. And another thought was, what did he plan on doing with those kids? You know? Um, was the airport part of the plan or was it just the end destination of Willowbrook Park and that was very close to his campsite that he was staying in so like basically what was the end goal yeah. like I, I no one ever he doesn't talk about it so no one will ever know but it seems like maybe he like maybe 
planned on taking them to the park and maybe like two at a time killing them or something yeah. or locking them up down in the bottom of the tunnels we won't know he kind of like i feel like maybe he panicked this is all me assuming by the way yeah. but like you know he panicked that he couldn't do it i mean there's 11 kids there um and it also seems really fucked up to me that he only served 10 months for kidnapping kids um it seems like a really small sentence yeah, especially that many kids. Yeah, that many kids. You, like know? you should have been uh, 10 months a kid. Like, yeah. you, you, well, even less. Well, that, that been, would have been, been 11 like, months. <laughs> yeah, it, it should have been like... A year for a Yeah, kid? like a year a kid. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean he, the, the one kid that they talked to didn't really seem traumatized. Because he yeah. was like, we didn't know. We just hopped on the bus to go to the park. You know, so it doesn't seem like he was like mentally abusive to them he was just like hey guys let's go for this ride and that's it you know yeah. so it's like hey uh where's your kid uh, unless i seen him he was getting on a bus he'll be fine <laughs> like, yeah he'll be okay nothing's gonna happen <laughs> figure it out <laughs> all right so we're gonna take a quick ad break and we'll be right back so now we're going to jump back to Jennifer's disappearance. Uh, as I said, she went for a short walk and never came home. Eyewitnesses say that they saw Rand with Jennifer on the day that she went missing. Uh, police questioned Rand but released him due to lack of evidence. Um, I believe they questioned him at the beginning of the, a very extensive 35-day search. That's how long it took them to locate her. Uh, now this search was massive. Um, you know, along with obviously the police, men, women, and even children all came together to aid in helping and finding Jennifer. Uh, they searched the hospital grounds, both hospitals. Um, they searched the farm colony. They searched everywhere multiple times. Uh, during this search, the police were also surveilling Rand, like surveillancing Rand, um, yeah. keeping an eye on him. <laughs> uh, eventually, because it seemed like he was, like, number one suspect. Yeah. You know, oh, you were seen with her? You're a suspect. Which yeah. is understandable. But, yeah, it is. But um, eventually, the police began to believe that all the eyewitness accounts they had uh, they had gotten were enough. So they charged 43-year-old Andre Rand with kidnapping. Um, eyewitness reports seem to be the main, like, stable in this case. Mm -hmm. And... Eyewitness reports, just in general, are never, like, a good thing. Because I could tell you, yeah, I saw everything, but the more time that progresses, the more, like, stuff becomes blurry. Yeah. Like, you could read anything, and they'll say, eyewitness reports aren't shit, because, you know, your mind starts adding things in to stuff, you know? Yeah. Um... So Andre Rand was set to a court-ordered 30-day psychiatric evaluation because I guess he was just acting, like, really weird. Which, I mean, it, when he does eventually get arrested, he's, like, drooling. He's, like, yeah. slobbering all over the place. It's really gross. But <laughs> <laughs> um, So he, go, he ends up going in for a 30-day psych evaluation, which is during the time that they're looking for Jennifer. Yeah. Uh, so a week after Rand was arrested and sent off to this evaluation, um, a horrible discovery occurred. Now, as I said, multiple searches had been done of the Willowbrook land. Multiple times is what I'm saying. By multiple different people and groups. So 
police, um, you know, regular citizens, police again. Like, they were searching it like crazy. All of a sudden, a firefighter named George Kramer remembered a very suspicious-looking spot in the dirt in the woods of Willowbrook, and he begged multiple people to go out with him to look again. So they did, and in the documentary, they supposedly found a spot where there were these large, like, mud balls on top of darker topsoil. Like, basically, instead of, like, they found the little girl, instead of burying the girl, prop not properly, but, you know, the way it normally would, yeah. there were, like, these clay balls. Like, someone balled up mud and just, like, stacked it on top of her. That's weird. Yeah, it's really weird, especially, like, if you're trying to get away with evidence. Yeah. You like, you would just bury her over, not leave balls. You know, it's just weird. Hmm. Um, yeah. So they did go out there in the documentary. They supposedly found a spot. Oh, sorry, I'm reading the same thing. Uh, when we dug it up and found a little foot there, Bob Devine, one of the volunteers, said, "It's something that's never. It's something that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life." Investigators carefully removed the body that was. The body that was there and used x-ray exams fingerprint checks and dental records to identify jennifer um the cause of death was difficult to determine due to the body being decomposed yeah. so she was there for a little bit yeah. <clears throat> police said that none of jennifer's clothes or effects were anywhere around or near the grave um the area was searched repeatedly even with trained dogs uh the crazy thing about this shallow grave would have to be the fact that it was literally 150 yards away from Rand, uh, away from Rand's most recent campsite. Mm -hmm. Um, they didn't find anything at the campsite either, and so just in case you didn't know, 150 yards is about a mile ish away, so not far, but not close either. Yeah, it's not far. Um, so Really quickly, I just wanted to bring up a couple of questions that I had about them finding her. Obviously, like, I'm not going to get answers or anything, but first question is, why didn't George look more closely at that weird mound of mud balls? You're searching for a missing child. Um, why aren't you looking at any odd things? Like, yeah. if I see that, if I'm looking for a little kid and I see, like, these weird mud balls, I'm going to look. Like, yeah. You know, especially... For all you know, the kid could have made them out yeah. of boredom. And, like... Yeah, like, you're you're, <laughs> you're supposed to be looking for something out of place. Like, I guess maybe it just wasn't something he thought about. But, like, I don't know. Like, I if I'm looking for something, yeah. you know... Any, anything weird, I'm, you know, I'm going to You should be it opening it, yeah. So. That's, that, that's, like, that's, like, walking into a freshly green backyard with very luscious green grass... And then right in the middle of the entire yard, there's a massive rectangular dirt patch that has like a mound on top. If you're looking yeah. for a kid, you're going to fucking look there, obviously. Yeah, like that's <laughs> like, a weird thing out that of... That is odd. Just, yeah. So that was like one of my questions. Second question is, I know it's the 80s and so stuff wasn't as thought out, but um, you had a bunch of people, so men, women, children, everyone and anyone searching through these forests, walking all through those trees... What if Rand wasn't working alone? What if he wasn't... What if he was innocent, like, all along, and you're letting the real kidnapper yeah. or the real killer and now murderer search right along with you guys? And, like, what if she, he was holding her hostage 
through all these searches and then now all of a sudden decided like, hey, I'm going to get rid of her. What yeah. if it was the George guy? Yeah. Not saying it was. Like, don't come at me, George. But... Yeah. Is that <laughs> but, the guy that pointed out the muzzles? Yeah, he's the one that pointed out the muzzles. I mean, that's, that's like... I mean, I, I know it probably wasn't him at all, but that's yeah. just like... That's like kind of weird. Like, it's oh, suspicious. I... Yeah, I've seen it. I'm going to ignore it. But then like now later on true. down the line, it's like, oh, by the way, this is there. Yeah. Yeah, like... <laughs> You know, like, they don't... You're I'm fucking gonna, dumb. Yeah, I'm going to say it right now. They don't have any evidence towards Rand being the one in. Yeah, they have eyewitness reports seeing him with her. But other than that, then that, that's all they've seen. Now, Rand is considered this weird guy of Staten Island. Like, he's this oddball. Like, he sleeps in the woods. And what, what better person to pick out than yeah. the weirdo? <laughs> so, like, let's just... I'm just using George for an example. So, George, I'm not blaming you at all if you ever listen to this podcast. Not that you will, but... <laughs> Let's just say George was the kidnapper. You're not going to see George as, like, this odd character. Like, what if he's just walking down the road? Like, you're going to spot Rand first because, one, Rand looks really fucking weird. Like, everybody always said, oh, he looks like a serial killer. He looks like one. So if he has that, like, impression on somebody, you're going to notice Rand first before you notice George. Hmm. So, like, what if George is the kidnapper... But you just don't see him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, not to get off topic, uh, I'm scrolling through Facebook here, and uh, apparently Jim Carrey is retiring from acting. Okay. That sucks. Sorry, I just seen it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so it's basically just like, like once again, the eyewitness reports don't really mean anything, you no, know? No, Like, yeah, you see Rand, but did you see the guy that was behind him? You know, yeah, that yeah, kind I get, of I get what you mean. thing. So, um... So, the strange thing about Jennifer's body was the way the blood pooling was. Um, so, I'm recalling this kind of from memory, so if I'm quoting this incorrectly, but uh, I remember one of the detectives pointing out that Jennifer's body was found face downward in the grave, but the pooling, the blood pooling, was actually at her feet, which indicated that she died in a different position. And that her body stayed in that position long enough for all the blood to go to her feet. So this means that after she died, she was moved. Hmm. So this could mean, like, she was in one spot, somebody didn't like that spot, and moved, you know, moved her somewhere else. Um, When no one, well, when she moved, when she was maybe moved, no one knows, but uh, it's a possibility that police seem to believe that Rand may have another uh, partner. So, yeah, someone that may have moved her to her final resting place. Um, they never seem to think that maybe they have the wrong guy. Yeah. It's just that he has a partner. Like, it's never Rand, maybe Rand didn't do it. It's Rand did it and he maybe had someone else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. But all these eyewitnesses, which we'll talk about later, all only saw Rand and the victims, no one else. So in 1988, Andre Rand was charged with the kidnapping and first-degree murder of Jennifer Schweiger. Uh, They went to trial, and he was convicted of first-degree kidnapping charge only. Uh, The jury could not reach a verdict on the murder charge due to lack of evidence, which, to me, they didn't really have a whole lot... Of evidence with eyewitness reports either like they didn't have it they didn't have any evidence that he even took her like they weren't shut they weren't seen 
walking away together or anything like that. I think the most that they were seen with is just, like, talking. Yeah. So, um, I believe 90%, if not all of their evidence, was eyewitness reports. Uh, Rand was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. He would be eligible for parole in 2008. Um, when watching the documentary Cropsy, which I highly recommend go watch, um, they show clip, clips of Rand coming out of the courthouse. And he's just, like I said, he was just drooling with his head is like hung in shame or just in disappointment maybe. Like he just looks like someone, honestly he looks like someone who may have mental issues just because yeah. he's like, you know, he's drooling and shit. It just, it's yeah, well, just that's what weird. That's what I had told you too when you had showed me the photos yeah. with him drooling and stuff like that. Like he literally looked like he had a mental disorder that nobody wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Which is probably true because yeah. these police want to nail him to the wall for this. Yeah, and they're not like, they're not going to say he's got a mental disorder if they want him gone because he's yeah. a weirdo. They're not going to say that. Well, plus his victim is someone with mental not yeah. mental illness but a disability. So yeah. it's like you know you're saying oh well he has it too and then that's just going to be like a weird thing exactly. I guess. And now it seems that like people like even even if somebody could be like completely fucking innocent. Like, with me, like, when people say, oh, you, you look like a serial killer. So, mm -hmm. if, if, with, with all of, everyone have, if the, there was ever a murder in my school, when I was going to that school that somebody had died, and I had known that person, and everyone assumed that you. I, yeah, they would have pointed me out, like, oh, it was probably him. He yeah. looks like a serial killer. Mm -hmm. That doesn't fucking mean I am. I mean, I probably yeah. did it because I hated the kid, but that doesn't mean <laughs> I did it. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, so with Jennifer's case bringing to light uh, what Rand had supposedly been doing in the shadows, I'm saying supposedly because I don't, I didn't really, what I've read and understood, I don't really see too too much evidence. It doesn't mean he didn't do it, yeah, like, yeah. and it doesn't mean that he's not, like, a weird guy, because, like, you're already convicted of sexually assaulting a little nine-year-old, and then you're also mm. convicted of kidnapping 11 kids, so it's yeah. possible for you to be kidnapping people, yeah. but just, I don't don't have evidence yeah, for this. And at, and at the same time, like, I was going to bring this up earlier when you mentioned the bus. If he did have a mental disorder, he might not have had any plans to do yeah. anything to the kids. Maybe he was like, he felt bad for what he did and he didn't know any other way to do it except take a bunch of kids out to dinner. And then, I mean, yeah, you're completely crossing the yeah. state, but you don't know where the fuck his mind is. Like, yeah, you have you no know. idea. Like, he could have planned something or mm -hmm. he could have just planned to just bring them all back after he was done taking them out to dinner or taking them wherever. Yeah. You, I mean, they don't know. But the fact that he was convicted of that and the fact that he did that now, he is automatically, yeah, it's him. He did it. Even if there is no proof that he was actually going to do anything besides what he was convicted of, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, because he definitely, he obviously did the two priors. But with Jennifer, yeah. you, there's just eyewitness reports of seeing him talking to her or seeing him yeah. near her. Like, like there's, there's a lot of kids that talk to mentally handicapped people. Yeah. And those mentally handicapped people will talk to those kids because it's like, they're mentally they're four. Like, like there's a like, when it comes to like a certain mental capacity for a lot of people mentally. Like my mom when she used to work at um uh, a mentally handicapped hospital, she mm -hmm. used to work as a nurse at one of those places. Literally, people like the, the, the these were like full grown like thirty year old adults who had a capacity who, of yeah who had the brain capacity of a four year old. Like this is well, normal. <laughs> they're like a, a I was gonna keep talking about it, but there's I think. Three or four more cases that come into view that the police, that happened before Jennifer, but the police are just now, like, 
connect connecting them to Rams. So we're gonna get into that. But yeah, that kind of ties into what you were saying. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to point out that there isn't really too much said about some of these kids. Um, I think it's more so because they don't have a whole lot of evidence or just detail details in general uh, to know what exactly happened because Brand doesn't talk. And then, obviously, the poor kids can't talk. Yeah. So, no one really knows what happens. And yeah. once again, it's a lot of eyewitness stuff. Which yeah, and, and once on... again, the guy that doesn't talk, he can't say he didn't do it because he doesn't talk. No, 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 he talks. Oh, what I mean okay. is he's not talking about oh, okay. what's happening. He's He can talk, I think, as far as I know, perfectly fine. Because he oh, writes okay. letters to the, the um, directors mm-hmm. of this Cropsy documentary. He mm-hmm. actually, like, writes them letters. Mm-hmm. And he's... Kind of talks in gibberish, but not gibberish as in, like, he can't write. It's, I'm a serial killer, or I'm a, you know, I'm a kidnapper, so I gotta talk in code. You know, like, typical, like, (laughs) um, but no, he's perfectly capable of actually, like, talking. He just refuses to talk about the case. Mm. And also, now that he's in jail, he doesn't like talking about it because it's child crimes. And child crimes get you fucked up in jail. Yeah, and, and, so. and well, yeah, not only that, like, even if he is, like, trying to talk in code, like, if he did talk perfectly normal and he just didn't want to talk about it, that's understandable, but they don't yeah. ever mention him talking perfectly normal, do they? Yeah. Oh, they do? Yeah, oh, I mean, okay. he'll say, like, my attorney says that I can only do this. My attorney says I can do that. Oh, um, okay. I, I don't want to talk about this because where I'm at... I'm in danger. You know, like, he talks perfectly yeah, okay, fine. Right. It's just like... So I was going to say, if, if he's not talking normal, then he, obviously there's something yeah. wrong with him. <laughs> but then after, like, a little bit, he starts going into, like, code. Not code, but, like, I'm trying to think, think of a way to say it. Like, Jesus loves us, and this and that, and... He could have been schizophrenic. Yeah, there... You know, there might be something, but you he know, does personality talk. disorder, yeah. like, something. He, he does talk. I'm just okay. saying, like, he doesn't right. want to talk about cases, you oh, know? Okay. So I was gonna say if he doesn't talk at all, then yeah. <laughs> he has no choice but to fucking deal with yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> like, he can't say anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's very little said about the cases um, in like reports and stuff because they just don't know what happened. Hmm. Um, so in 1984, three years before Jennifer's disappearance, 21 or 23 year old or 21 or 22, I'm not sure, uh, year old Hank Graforio was reported missing after he didn't return home one night. According to sources, Hank was described page flip <laughs> uh, as slow, and he had IQ in the 70s. Um, I think he's also described as having the brain capacity of a 14 to 16-year-old. Yeah, so, so he, he was like, he was literally, he was yeah. mentally handicapped. Yeah, so he was like our, like my age-ish, a little bit younger, but yeah. he had the brain capacity of 14. Yeah. Um, the reason why his disappearance is connected to Rand is because, once again, eyewitnesses report seeing Fra- Hank and Rand together in a local diner in the early hours of the morning. Now, I'm not sure if they were eating together or if they just happened to be in the same diner at the same time. Not sure, but they're in the same place at the same time, and mm-hmm. that's all people need, you know? Wrong place, wrong time. Yep. <laughs> it, you know, if it wasn't Rand's... Um, he just really picks shitty places to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, if I ever say, like, oh, if it wasn't him, I'm not saying that it wasn't, because, you know, he's obviously in prison for this. I don't think he'll get out until thir- 2037 now. But, 
Um, I'm just playing like devil's advocate. Like, if it wasn't him, then you know what I mean. Yeah. So, um, so after they were seen together in the diner, um, Hank wouldn't be seen again, and unfortunately, his body was never found. He disappeared basically without a trace. Um, and that's really all that's talked about with Hank. Like, his body was never found, and I don't think his parents really pursued um, any kind of criminal justice like Jennifer's parents did. Well, Jennifer's parents, they found the body, but Hank, they didn't. Yeah. So, um, now, a year before Hank, in August 12th of 1983, um, there was an 11-year-old girl named Thais Jackson who went missing. Uh, she's, she has, like, such the cutest pictures, like, she, the way that she smiles and stuff like that, she's an adorable little kid. Mm. Um, she was reported missing after her mom had sent her out to push, purchase food and she didn't return. Um, once again. Once again, again a fucking yeah. parent sending their little kid out. What is wrong with people? Yeah, Jesus I mean, back Christ. then, back then it was normal. In the yeah, 70s, but come the fuck but on. the 70s and, like, the 80s. And even, like, before all of that, it was such a prime time Jesus for serial Christ. killers. Like, it really was. Like, even besides children killers, just regular serial killers in general. Like, people just opened up their doors to anybody. Nowadays, I'm looking out the window, I'm looking out the little peephole. Like, if I don't know that you're supposed to be coming, you're not getting in my door, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but back then, it was just a whole new world, you know? Or a whole different world. Yeah. But yeah, and like, it, it's funny, too, because, like, a lot of, like... Like, older parents complain about the generation nowadays, which I, I agree with a lot. The, the generation nowadays are kind of, you know, they're not, in my opinion, with me being yeah. a millennial, they're eh. But with the boomers, or, it's not not even boomers. What are they? Was it Gen, Gen, Gen something? I don't know. People who were born in, like, the fucking the 70s and grew up in the 80s. I Is forget what they're called. Gen X? I have no idea. I don't know. But they, they're always talking about, like, oh, how, like, oh, everyone's complaining about this and everyone's complaining about that. It's like, bro, you literally sent your kid out by themselves to get stuff at a grocery store. To and, go buy cigarettes. Yeah, sometime. to go buy fucking <laughs> cigarettes. Yeah. Like, you you are purposely traumatizing your children at this point. Yeah. Like, you're making like, a fucking five-year-old walk a mile down to the store because you're too fucking lazy to do it to grab you a pack of cigarettes so you can smoke, drink, and abuse your family. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's like, uh, not the whole, like, the last part. <laughs> not the last part, I swear. <laughs> but um, that's kind of like... A lot of cases, like, I, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, and, like, in the 70s and 80s, that was what a lot of it was. Like, oh, her parents sent her down to the drugstore to grab cigarettes, or, oh, they sent her here to grab this, or she wouldn't be long, she was just grabbing this. Like, parents were sending their kids out to do this stuff, and then they would never return. And it's like, your kid is, like, five or six years old. Like, you can't... Nowadays, we I wouldn't let my kid outside the fucking door without me watching her yeah. or them. But you know, uh, back then, I it's just it was a whole different thing. Like people yeah, were like, way more trusting. Well, I mean, well, no, they they were way more stupid. They weren't more lazy trusting. Too. They were stupid and lazy. Mm-hmm. Like and like that's like it's just I don't know, like it, I'm I'm with you. Like I'm not if I if I were to ever have a kid, I'm not gonna send. I'm not, like, because we live close to, like, Acme and, like, Dollar Tree. I'm not going to send no. him to the Acme or the Dollar Tree. Like, that no. is fucking dumb. I'm not going to send him on a walk. Like, yeah, like, I'm not doing that. No. <laughs> if you're going to, if you're going to walk, you're going to walk around the neighborhood and you're going to keep a fucking cell phone on you. You're not walking out of the neighborhood. Even, I don't even 
don't even think, because we live in an apartment complex. I don't even yeah. think I'd let my kids just walk around the apartment complex. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know people are people are yeah. fucking sketchy around here. But, yeah. but I just don't think I could trust that. Yeah, it's it's like you know, and the parents like they're all like, oh, they're complaining about, oh, you know, so and so is a pussy. Like you're doing this, blah blah blah. Oh, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Look at your generation. How many yeah. fucking kids got kidnapped and killed? And you're gonna say yeah. they'll be fine now? Mm-hmm. When now it's it's way more easier to do this shit. I mean, obviously it was easy back then, but it it's was even really easier. Easy back then. Yeah, but it's even easier now because of the technology. And if you're not paying attention to your fucking kid because you're an irresponsible parent, then guess what? Mm-hmm. You're never going to see that kid again. Yeah. Like now, People do, are way more smarter now than what they yeah. were back then now, because of technology. I do understand back <laughs> in like the 70s, 80s, if you had more kids, it was probably a lot easier for you to just send out like the oldest kid to go grab like, Yeah, but the oldest thing. kid though, not not Well, the, maybe she was. Maybe, you know. Yeah, but like if that Cause I still. Because <laughs> I'm trying to look. Uh, uh, Thais was 11, so... It's not like a four or five year old being sent out. Yeah, but I mean, it's, that's still too young to be sent yeah. out on your own. That's that's like the stupid ass kids that walk around the area now that are like young, like that are walking yeah. from school to home because for some reason they don't want to take the school bus or the school bus doesn't travel that or, way. Yeah, something could easily happen to them, yeah, and you would never fucking know about it. And you'd never forgive yourself. No, you wouldn't. Would, you'd be like way too fucking late. Like, like even, you know. even if, if you don't have a car, if if. Your kid can walk to school on their own. You can walk with your kid to school. Yeah. Like, even if you're working, just be like, yo, I'm going to be late because I don't want my kid to get kidnapped. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to walk or find a job that has, like, a skate. It's not that hard to do these things. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, they can complain, oh, I, I work this, I work that. No, stop using work as an excuse to be an irresponsible parent. That's not how yeah. the world works. Like, you can't just use work as an excuse for every fucking thing that goes wrong with your kid. You can't do that. It's you. You did this. Not the fact that you're working. You did it. Sorry. <laughs> it but just yeah. pisses me off. So anyway, to, to finish off Alan's rant, uh, I mean, nowadays, everybody pays attention to their kid. But if you don't pay attention to no, your they, kid. No, they don't pay attention to their kids. They give kids cell phones and toss them in the other room. They don't yeah. give a shit. Well, I mean, like, I mean, like, letting them outside. Well, yeah. Don't let your kid outside to just, like, yeah. go. I mean, even when I was a kid, I did, we did go outside to play. But it wasn't, like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, so Thais um, was last seen exiting the Mariners Harbor Motel. Um, I think her family was living there at the time. I might be wrong, but I think that they were. Mm-hmm. Um, now, no one saw her with Rand, but the police believed that because Rand was close to her like location, her area, um, that it's probable that she went missing due to him. So they're pinning it on him. But have no evidence. Like, have no... Not even their little eyewitness reports. But they're blaming it on him. You know? Um, Now, there's one theory that I read that may prove that Rand may not have done this. Um, Now, once again, in January of 1983, Rand had done the whole kidnapping the kids and the bus thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Supposedly, he was sentenced to 10 months. If he served his full term, he would be getting out in November, I think. Uh, Thais disappeared in August. Maybe he got out early, but I don't know if that's been proven. So, basically, when Thais went missing, which was in August, Rand may have still been in jail. So, he may not have even done this. So, they're once again... I mean, the police are basically finding the scapegoat to just pin a bunch of missing kids on him. 
you know. Well. And uh, sadly, her body was never found either. But I don't, honestly, I feel like they didn't really do a whole lot of, like, digging into Thais's yeah. um, case. Like, they basically were just like, yeah, she disappeared. Don't have any evidence. Don't have any eyewitness reports. Okay, drop the case. And now that Rand has come out however many years later as being, like, a kid kidnapper, they're like, oh, well, he probably did it. Not even, like, let's try figuring it out. Just he probably did it. Let's have him as a suspect, yeah. but not automatically assume he did it. Yeah. It, it's just <laughs> sucks. Like, he's not the only sicko in the world. Like, <laughs> No, it's not like he's the only one that lives in Staten Island, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um... So. For all you know, your kid come across a murder scene that the mafia is pulling, and now the mafia's got to take care of the kid. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah, like. yeah. Or if, <laughs> or if just some random guy came up to her, maybe he tried to rob her or something. Or tried you know, doing other things. She was going. She was going to go get food or doing other things. Yeah. She was going to go get food, so she had money on her. Yeah, She's it's, also it's a, a young girl. Yeah. Like it could have also been a homeless dude that had seen yeah. that she had food and was like, "Fuck this kid, I'm getting the yeah, food." Yeah, like you don't know, <laughs> but to just sit there. I mean, look, I'm not trying to convince anybody that he was innocent because he sure yeah, as no, no, wasn't no. innocent, but. They didn't do any police work is basically no, what didn't. we're trying to, like, push, they, you know? They just assumed, like... Yeah. Um, now we're going to talk about the other, only other victim that Rand was actually tried and convicted for kidnapping with. Because there's, I think, either five or six kids total, and only two have been actually tried and convicted with him. Yeah. So, now we're going to talk about Holly Ann Hughes. Uh, this occurred in 1981. Seven-year-old Hughes um, did not return home after going to the store to buy soap with her friend. Supposedly, Rand pulled up to them in his car and offered her candy. Uh, She either got into the car or she was drugged into the car. Her friend said that Rand was wearing a mask, but she knew it was him, but they still talked to the guy. Like... The way, I'm not, I don't really want to, like, talk shit on this friend, because if she really did see, like, like all this, I feel bad for her, but just the way that she was describing, because she, the Cropsy documentary, they actually talked to this girl, the way that she was just describing, like, him getting, him kidnapping them, it's just really weird, like, she said he was wearing a mask, and he, she was like, okay, so what kind of mask was it? And she said, oh, I don't know. I don't remember. But you remember it being a mask? Yeah, I remember it being a mask. Well, how do you know it was him? Oh, I just knew it was him. Like, you know. Plus, you're like a seven... So, Holly was seven years old. So, you're seven years old and you remember all this? I mean, maybe because it was traumatic that you would. But I know me being seven, I don't remember shit. No, I don't. I don't remember. I barely remember any of my childhood. And, like... You're saying that, like, like I said, it could be trauma that, like, made her remember, but it's, like, it was just a very jumbled, like, interview. Like, yeah, I knew it was him, but he had a mask on. How do you know? Oh, I just knew it was him. You know, it's just odd. It doesn't make sense. But, um, they still talk to him. Um, her friend, her friend actually, like, brought this story up, like, 20 years later, too. Like, it wasn't even that... I don't even think she told anybody when she was seven that this happened. It wasn't. It wasn't until twenty years later. So it's just weird. Yeah. Um. So either way, she was reported missing, and they issued like another search. Obviously, 
More eyewitnesses say that they salt ran with Holly, ironically, in 2004, uh, four years before Rand was supposedly going to be eligible for parole is when all of this stuff started coming back up again. Mm -hmm. So it's basically like, oh, we got to make sure that he stays away for longer, you know? Like, not saying that, once again, not saying that he didn't do it, but just like, you know, just happened to be like perfect timing that they decided to bring up the case again. Yeah. Um... So, the police charged him with the kidnapping of Holly Ann 23 years before. Um, I guess, once again, the police had a bunch of eyewitness reports uh, that came forward and saying that they remember seeing him 23 years ago. Uh, Even the friend that was with Holly came forward. Um, With all these eyewitness accounts, the jury convicted Brand uh, of the kidnapping on October 4th, 2004. And he... um, was sentenced to another 25 years to life in prison. Um, he will be eligible for parole, for parole, I can't talk, in 2037, and he will be 93 years old. So basically, with eyewitness accounts, which, once again, according to this documentary, these eyewitnesses were drug addicts, they were alcoholics, they were people that, at the time, didn't even know left from right, and now 23 years later, they got sober or clean, and now all of a sudden they remember all of this stuff. But no. I'm pretty sure alcohol doesn't give you better memory, you know? And neither no. does drugs. No. So, you know, just my opinion. <laughs> but, um, so now we're going to talk about the earliest alleged victim. Go ahead. That's almost like, uh, that's, that's almost like when, when like, like, like straight up drunken moonshined up hillbillies talk about, well, I seen an alien over there over the mountain. Yeah, like, yeah. I swear I seen it. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that's the thing. Like, not, once again, 90% of these reports were eyewitness. So even like a couple days later, they're not accurate. Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel, I feel like all these people that came up, sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you off again. I feel like all these people that came up and said they seen things, they were actually paid by the police because they were already druggies and Maybe. alcoholics. And they were like, oh, yo, we want to get this guy out of here because he's fucking creeping us out. We mm-hmm. have we have barely any evidence and he's, nothing is going on. Yeah. So we need you guys to talk about this because... Yeah, we need you guys to say you saw yeah. him. Yeah, I'll and, give you like $300 to go buy some meth if you yeah, just do and this. And we won't like, arrest you. <laughs> yeah, we, we won't, won't yeah. arrest you for mm-hmm. it. <laughs> That's the thing, though. Like, you know, a lot of these people are just like, yeah, I saw him. Uh, he was doing this and blah, blah, blah. But they don't, like... And I think with Holly Ann, they searched his car for evidence, like hair evidence and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Didn't find anything. They didn't find any evidence whatsoever in his car for any of the kids. Mm-hmm. So it's like either he went and got it really fucking cleaned or she was never in there to begin with. Yeah. Which well, I, I don't know. I seen, I seen him hold her hand and then he did a backflip and a hand sprint and then he jumped up near, jumped down on the ground, caught some lightning like Thor and then kidnapped her. I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's just like, you know, <laughs> fucking idiots. The, the police are taking eyewitness accounts that aren't reliable and the poli- the, making uh, something. The police have been shitty for the longest time. No. Nothing has changed with the police force. Nope. Ever. Since it got created, basically. <laughs> Ever. And also, it's in Staten Island, so I know a lot of fucking, like, cops no, back they, then. They, they are definitely in the pockets of crooked. a lot of people. Yeah. Like, they are crooked, crooked as, as fuck. Crooked as fuck, yeah. <laughs> like... 
back then and probably now. I'm not even yeah. gonna lie. Probably I mean, now. Yeah. Even even here stuff. where we fucking yeah. live at, like over over like literally the police station that's right across the street from us. I guarantee you, with as many druggies are in this area, mm-hmm. there's like they're like, Yeah, we'll just if you if you tell us the specific thing, we won't arrest you for the account we got you on two years ago. I won't pull that up whatsoever. Yeah, your pot their pockets <laughs> are lined. Yeah, very they're well. lined. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So once now we're gonna talk about the very last bit no it's technically his earliest victim, but it's like we're talking about. Um, her, she was a five-year-old Alice Pereira. I uh, hope I pronounced that right. In 1972, Alice Barron vanished after her brother had left her alone for only a moment. Like, literally a split fucking second. Um, they had been playing in the lobby of their apartment complex, and he just... And her brother just stepped away for a moment, only for her to be missing when he returned. Um, once again, a witness saw, said that they saw Rand and Alice walking together. Rand's connection to the location was that he was actually the janitor to the apartment complex. So he was, like, all of these kids do have some kind of connection to Rand, supposedly. Um, Alice, as many, as well as many of the other children, was never seen again. And neither were any of their bodies, except for Jennifer's. Um... And that's basically it to where Ran- with Rand's story. Um, the other kids were looked for but never found. Um, I don't really think the police looked into any partners. Like, they were talking the whole freaking time about, like, this partner or maybe that partner. Especially with Jennifer's case. With him go- being locked up for, like, 30 days during, like, them still searching for her body. And then all of a sudden she's found. Like... To me, that would seem like it's still a possibility Rand did it, but also, like, you've searched that place multiple times, so mm-hmm. somebody's moving her. Like, yeah. that means somebody else should be looked for, not yep. just Rand. But they, like, strictly focused on him. Um, so the thing that stumps people a lot is why. Um, a lot of people have theories. Uh, once again, it's kind of like a... <laughs> eyewitness report of the aliens and stuff mm-hmm. um honestly that's what a lot of this case is built on theories um now with the bizarreness of the story and just general and like how uh fucking odd rand is the theories got crazy so now we're gonna talk about basically i'm gonna call it the bullshit because it's just people talking um yeah. one thing that people and the police believe that believed was that Rand was part of a satanic cart cult. I can't talk. Fuck. <laughs> That's a satanic cart. <laughs> it's, it's a that cart is possessed. It's a loving shopping cart. But uh a... It's trying to steal my milk. <laughs> <laughs> but basically they believe that he was part of a satanic cult. Um they believe that he was basically bringing these kids to the cult to be sacrificed. Um the church that he was originally arrested in I think I could be wrong. There was some church in there somewhere that was had like dabblings of satanic stuff, but not like like a, like a satanic temple. Not like oh, we're sacrificing kids. They I think they had like a, a an altar or something in the basement of their church, mm. and it was something that either Rand like I think it was either the church that he was arrested at, or it was just like a, a church that he happened to come be near sometimes, mm. but. Either way, like, that's, like, the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, it's also the 70s and 80s where that whole fucking Satan's, 
what is it? It's like State and Panic or something like that. Well, yeah, when, when they thought D&D was a yeah. Satan Yeah, it's basically <laughs> that, that time period. But there's like a thing for it, like a quote, but I can't think of it. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's basically like... Um, man, Every, everything yeah. bad you did had to do with the devil. Yeah, yeah. So like, they blamed it on that. They blamed it on all kinds of stuff. Um, there's no real evidence to this. Um, there they never found like any books or anything. You know, um, they had his campsite where he basically had all of his personal belongings, and they never found anything. They never found any kind of incriminating evidence, like nothing hardcore, substantial. So it's like. You know. Yeah. Um, and then there's one other, like, sicker theory is that Rand may have been kidnapping the kids and, like, passing them around to the homeless people that were in the tunnels and stuff of the Willowbrook. But once again, there's no evidence in that either. Yeah. Um, I feel like my thing is if you truly believe that he was doing something like that, uh, wouldn't you go talk to the other people around there? Like, did you go and ask them maybe about him and about the kids? Um, if you are seeing these other, like, homeless people, like, go talk to them. They know Rand. I mean, you already talked to a bunch of druggies and alcoholics. Might, a homeless yeah. person ain't gonna matter none. They might actually tell the truth. They might have more to actually say. But that's probably why, because they're probably yeah. like, oh, no, that never happened. He's innocent. Yeah. <laughs> Or, or they might happen to, like, bring some other person into it, and then the police have to do more work. You know, exactly, God forbid yeah. we want to do that, you know. God forbid we got to do, file out some more paperwork and yep. do our job. <laughs> and it was like, you know, because, like, there's a bunch of questions you could ask. Like, you're living here on the grounds the same as Rand. Have you seen any of the kids? Do you know what this who this kid is? Have you seen her before? You know, um... Have you seen Rand with any weird kids? Or have you seen Rand do anything suspicious? Like, you know, maybe they did talk to these homeless people, but at the same time it was never brought up, so it's like, you never know. It's it's like like having a photo. Like, say if they did have a photo of, like, one of the missing child. Mm -hmm. It's like they see a perfectly normal person, you know, like, you know, like, just regular, everyday, average Joe. Just normal guy walking along the street. And they're like... Yeah, I don't know if I want to talk to that guy, but the guy over here licking dirt off the ground, we'll go talk to him. He seems <laughs> like, like an upstanding citizen. He seems like he would know exactly what the fuck we need to hear. Yeah. <laughs> you know he's got a wine bottle on his ass, right? Perfect. Absolutely perfect. He'll know exactly what we want to know. The glasses <laughs> for clarity. <laughs> the glasses for clarity. It shows that he's a gentleman. <laughs> and a scholar. Yeah. It just uh. it just seems like the way that they narrowed it down, they narrowed it down to Rand and then just stopped. And, like, maybe that was, like, the correct thing to do. Maybe that was as far as they needed to take it. Um, I mean, for all we know, it could have been a fucking, it could have been, you know, a police, like, literally, like, sex trafficking. Yeah. It could have been that. And yeah. they're just trying to pin somebody because they almost got caught. You know? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the, the kidnappings and stuff like that stopped. Yeah. Well, after Rand went away. But did whoever... Do it, move on. It's move either that away. or they realized that the area was too hot and they needed to move on. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, now yeah. that Rand's gone, now that Rand's gone and arrested, 
if you keep killing kids and kids keep disappearing, that we're, they're going to think something gonna else. Be like, <laughs> people are going to be like, "Oh shit, maybe we were wrong." Yeah, exactly. They're still and gonna, then they're going to let him go. <laughs> I was gonna say, they're probably still going to keep Rand in there because yeah. you know, God forbid. Yeah. But they're at least going to be like, "Hey, maybe this guy's not it." Yeah. Um. Honestly, there's just so many like here or there's like my brain hurts. I can't. I've like I've been thinking about this episode for like couple weeks now just like going through reading this tidbit that tidbit also when they were doing the surveillance on rand um he was staying with some guy and his family who happened to have a disabled kid with them yeah and supposedly the disabled kid is what brought rand to them and let them you know and he let them stay but basically he was letting the parents were letting him stay in the house so they could get evidence on him and if you hear, like, swooshing, it's... Yeah, I was going to say, tea. if you guys hear anything, it's me making more tea. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, so they had him staying at this house with this family, with this uh, disabled kid, and supposedly Rand told this father that the reason why he, um, the reason why he supposedly took these kids is because they're, they were disabled, and he didn't think that they were worthy, not worthy of living, but he thought that maybe his, their parents didn't care about them. And basically going back to the whole Willowbrook State School. Yeah. Because he worked there, and he saw how, like, kids were being treated there. Mm -hmm. So maybe it was some sort of, like, mental fuckery where it's like, I see how people treat these kids, like... They're better off not being here. Yeah, they're better than, than you know, the, that could have been, like, were you, is it, were you talking about the bus? No, I'm talking oh, about okay. these Jennifer, Jennifer, and... Oh, okay, Because okay, okay. all these kids were, all of them had some sort of disability. Yeah. So, it's like, maybe he thought, like, in a way, he was helping them because they yeah. had that issue. Yeah, trying That's... to get them away from it, almost like a, like a superhero <laughs> complex, almost, yeah. like he thinks he's doing something good, but since he is, you know, is, is that the same guy, is, was, uh... Does he, did he, the, is he the one, no, that wasn't, he wasn't drooling, was he? That's the same. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Rand was drooling. Because I, for, so I keep, have Cropsey in my head, so it's like, well, who's it's the Rand? same. Okay. Cropsey yeah. is an urban legend. Oh, okay, Cropsey's okay. just his nickname, basically. Yeah. But yeah, okay. I mean, if you say Cropsey, you say Rand, it's the same thing. Okay, yeah. But, um, yeah, so basically Rand was, like, drooling and stuff, and he just, they, he worked at Willowbrook, so maybe he saw all these disabled people getting treated like shit, and it might have he, he fucked, them, know, yeah, fucked he, him up. Yeah, you know? he just he just didn't know of any other way to help them out besides just taking them because yeah. everyone was already against him. You know yeah. what I mean? And also, you know, I mean, I'm not giving him any kind of excuses. Well, yeah, yeah, we're we're not we're not defending him whatsoever. We're just trying to bring up what could be a possibility or not be a possibility. Yeah, I mean, if this guy truly unlike believes, the cops who just assumed automatically. Yeah, like, <laughs> if he really did do it, and this guy, and, and Rand told this random stranger, like, I did it because I wanted to basically, like, you know, either the world didn't deserve him, or the world, uh, or he didn't think that the wor they deserved the world kind of thing. Yeah. Either way, he felt like they weren't, they didn't belong, and that their parents didn't care about him. So... Yeah, so that that's basically it for this episode. You got any final words? Yeah. Um. <sighs> Jim Carrey's retiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, none that won't just straight up get me hated. <laughs> what? Oh no, because I mean, oh, I, you're I, still talking about the parents, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Because, you know, like, I mean, honestly, like, this this is just me being me. And don't take this offense to the podcast, whatever this is. It's strictly how I see it. If you're letting your child go out by themselves and you're not paying attention and your kid was able to get kidnapped in a bus taken to another state before you even noticed anything was happening, if you have a kid that is like that, even parents now, if you have a kid that you do that to, it deserves to be kidnapped because it, you are fucking irresponsible. No, the, the kid, kid the kid doesn't. But you, you deserve to have your you kid deserve, taken from you. Yeah, you deserve <laughs> to have at least a little bit of fucking panic. Yeah, you do. You don't like, deserve to have your kid dying. Oh, I, I don't know why but... this happened because you're a fucking terrible parent. That's why it happened. I agree with the aspect <laughs> of like, you know, don't let your you, kids You out. deserve to be punished as a parent. Yeah. But what could possibly happen to the kid they don't deserve. But you deserve that mental abuse because you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like, you need... <laughs> basically, you need a wake-up call. Yeah, you do. You know? And if this has to be your wake-up call, you gotta learn the fucking hard way, then guess what? <laughs> yeah. But, I don't know. I just... With Rand, I'm kind of on the fence. I feel like he did maybe do some of it. Maybe he did do, like, Jennifer. It's just because... She was close to his campsite. She was, yeah. but at the at the same time, him. close to his campsite, everyone knew where he was. Yeah, so you know, somebody could have anyone... done that to make it seem like he did it. Especially if since it's since it was like thirty five days, they searched that thing multiple. Yeah, yeah they multiple times, multiple and then like times. all of a sudden, yeah. See, that's another thing too. Thirty five days, they searched the air room multiple times. They did not find that body once, but once they had Cropsy or Rand in their sights, all of a sudden the body is yeah. found. Yeah, because like that's an automatic of... target. That's a way of getting away with what the fuck you just well, that's did. That's what I'm saying. Like maybe it was, <laughs> maybe it was a cop, or maybe it was someone that was close to cops. Maybe I'm it saying, was it a was, George. It was, well, yeah, I'm telling you, I'm it not was, trying to. It was definitely, it was, it was most definitely the cops. If it because... wasn't, if it, if it was not Rand, which that's what I'm saying. If it was not Rand, it was somebody with close to yeah. the cops. And what better way to make it weird than roll up fucking clay balls and put it onto the body? Yeah. So it looks like somebody with a mental disorder is the one who did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, like it makes, it's, if he was targeted way too much and it's just you you, they, you can do so much to somebody when they're being targeted it's unreal yeah, exactly like and like i said eyewitness reports aren't really reliable like i remember doing a, I remember being in high school and doing a um forensic science class mm. and him doing the the teacher testing our like eyewitness abilities basically yeah. and what he did was he put like a picture on the board of like, you know, a busy street with this kid and that kid and this one doing this and that one doing that and this bird flying this way, you know, like a very busy fucking street. Yeah. And he only did it for maybe like 10 seconds. And then we had to write down like everything that we saw. Like, what was the color of this guy's shirt? What was the color of this yeah, It's pant? almost like those memory and, things. Yeah, it's the same yeah. thing. And it's like, <laughs> you know, a lot of people did not do well on it because it's like, your mind plays tricks with you. Like I could say, sit here and say that your your shirt was green when in reality it's like a dark purple or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Or like how you my know? one how my one sleeveless shirt is actually purple and you think it's gray. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like you know, it's gray, but like I no, I, I see it as purple. She sees it as gray. One yeah. of us is colorblind, and it ain't me. <laughs> yeah, it's the one that wears glasses. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, Sorry, I didn't mean to under the bus. <laughs> it's the one that wears glasses. Fuck you, <laughs> but you know, it's just like we're making a light conversation about this, but it honestly, like nowadays, it's fucked up. Nowadays, it doesn't happen like that. No, you don't no. get away with just eyewitness reports. No, you don't. There, there's but, a lot more technology that actually helps you now, but there's also a lot more technology to help them get away with it as well. Yeah. So it's like a trade-off yeah. almost. Like, there, there are ways to cheat the system that people have done before. Yeah. 
Like, I'm pretty sure there are still some unsolved mysteries or unsolved murders that have happened recently that nobody oh, yeah, can figure still, out yet. There's still unsolved <laughs> mysteries. Like, um, for example, like Casey Anthony. That's not really an unsolved mystery. They, the, the um, jury or whatever uh, made her not guilty, but she fucking did it. Yeah. She did it. She killed her kid. But, yeah. you know, that's a whole other controversial yeah. And almost like that thing that happened recently with that dude and his and his wife when they went out of state and then he came back without her. And oh, they yeah, found, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Gabby Picro. Yeah, literally it took them almost three he months to figure that shit out. Yeah, because he went missing. Yeah. So he was able to, like, all the cameras, you can have all the cameras around the world as much as you want. If you know how to cheat the system, you can get away with well, it for a decent amount of time. They also went to a national park or whatever where there weren't any cameras yeah I, i'm saying but like he if did, he were to come yeah. back afterwards yeah. like you would see that you would see where they're going yeah, you're gonna see him <laughs> come back because i think he came back with their camper or whatever yeah and, yeah yeah but and then he also ran away with with his parents help yeah to with, another like, once thing, again yeah. and then killed himself or something yeah. like that i don't yeah, know something but, but either way, it's yeah. just there, there's ways of getting around shit now that it is, is, is easy but difficult. You know how <laughs> many unsolved cases there are, once again from like the 80s, but where people just like kill their wife and then leave? And then they do not find them like ever the fucking Well, yeah, because back in the 80s you didn't have all the cameras to track the cars and shit, but still. Yeah. But, not even, <laughs> but not even just that. Like they just, like there was one, we're getting off topic guys and I'm sorry, but like. It still relates either yeah, way. There was one guy that was like. He killed his wife, and then, like, left, and then maybe, like, I don't know, hour or two later, he calls the police and says, you need to go to such and such street in such and such town. I've killed my wife, and I'm not there anymore. She's probably dead. You better go pick up that body, basically. Yeah. And he's gone. They never found him. <laughs> he, like, up and dashed, like, you know. It's just it's, it's very It's very easy to cover. You're like, if, if you don't, if you don't, for one, one easy way to get around stuff now is if you don't use a cell phone. Which, you know... The, Back you in the 80s, they didn't have... Yeah, them. they didn't have cell They had payphones, which you can't track a payphone. You can only track a payphone to that specific you, location. Yeah, I was like... But good. you can't track a payphone on somebody because they're not taking yeah. it with you. There's no GPS uh-huh. on it. So you, there was only there was only the uh, payphones then. Yeah. Now, you can still not have a, have a cell phone. And there are still payphones in some states, yeah. but not as much. So it makes it a little bit more difficult for you to keep in contact. Mm-hmm. But at the same time... If you're doing something wrong, you don't want to keep in contact. So I'm you're, saying you're, not you're better be off just to. exactly. And then another thing too is if you don't have a cell phone, you can get away with not making contact with anybody. If you use cash now, they mm. can't track cash. They can't track what you do. They don't have your name. They don't have none of that. It was just some guy that used cash, and you can even still get a receipt. And yeah. it's like, you know, you can use cash, no cell phone, no cash. Stay off of social media, and all you really need to do is just completely disguise yourself. Mm-hmm. Like there was even recently uh, a bounty hunting TV show. Um, that this was like a couple of years ago, but still, it's still relevant. And you know, but there was a bounty hunting TV show to where this dude literally cut off his cell phone, did absolutely nothing, changed the way he looked, and hired these bounty hunters to find him to see if they could. Mm-hmm. They could not find him, hmm. and it turns out. He, he got hired in their crew, and they still didn't recognize the dude because wow, he changed his shit. appearance. Like, it is not that difficult <laughs> yeah. to actually get away with shit. If you're dumb, you're, you're not going to get away with it. If yeah. you're intelligent, you could definitely get away with it. Mm-hmm. Like, just, no cash, no social media, yeah. change the way you look, change your name if you have to discreetly. Like, there's ways of doing it. Like, don't don't get a car. If you do get a car, don't, you know, I mean, you need a license to drive a yeah. car, but, like, get a bike. 
That's all you really need. Yeah. You don't need a license to drive a moped, I don't think. So. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so that's like, how you guys get away from the cops now. Yeah. <laughs> now. Well, I'm just saying, like, it's yeah. it's not, it's still somewhat easy now. It's just people are so addicted to social media that yeah. it makes it difficult for them because of that fact. But if you were somebody that didn't have social media, period, and you only paid in cash, you could go off the grid quick as fuck yeah. and nobody would be able to find you. <laughs> but all in all, like, the end of the day, just to wrap up the Rand case, I just feel like. They, one, they didn't have enough evidence. They picked him, like, way out of the hat, like, early on. Yeah. And I understand, like, you know, they did get eyewitness reports that saw him with her. And then, yeah, so, like, yeah, that obviously makes it suspicious. But they never yeah. bothered, like, talking to see if there was anybody else. At least, you know, it didn't sound like it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Let us know what you guys think anywhere. You guys can hit us up on the social medias. I'm mm-hmm. on I think I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on TikTok. Um, I'm also going to be posting this to YouTube, so you guys, you guys can let us know what you think on there. Um, It'd be easier to comment on there because yeah. it's got a comment section. Yeah, <laughs> it does. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Fancy that. <laughs> yeah, so thank you guys for listening. Sorry about our little rants and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Yeah, catch you later. <laughs>